Good evening and welcome to the Only Rugby Podcast with Andrew. Hello, Elmer. Hello, and myself, uh, Elmer. And also, uh, Andrew's dog, Rango, is literally sitting in between us this evening as well, joining us. <laughs> so, as ever, Andrew, um, good evening and um, what have you been up to? Uh, I have no idea, Elmer, but as you noticed, <laughs> I arrived half an hour early because suddenly I'm in the grips of being very excited for this came marching up your, your front drive with my bottle of wine and um, Rango and half an hour early, having already had a discussion about the team that will be selected with my brother. And uh, yeah, to, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to not only this and chatting about it, but also seeing how far off we are in the team selection. And uh, then tomorrow night, interestingly, we've got an awards dinner at the Grosvenor House. And uh, why this is so sweet for me is because I've worked there many times. And I had to arrive at 2, 3 in the morning to set these things up. And tomorrow night we go there, you know, having put in a really good submission of a hundred million pound saving for the project that I'm on, um, that I lead. So really looking forward to that. And that'll be a mess if we win. Yeah, well, I'll be a mess. <laughs> okay, Andrew, well, uh, thanks for that insight. And, uh, good luck, to, good luck uh, with your team selection today and for tomorrow also. Um, I would really enjoy the weekend though. The weather was nice and hot and appreciated the family time because there was a drop off in, <coughs> let's say, the quality mm. of uh, the second round of the Rugby World Cup in mm. terms of the games. So uh, I only really took in two or three games properly, as in watching it mm. all the way through. Um, but it's really exciting this evening because we've, um, well, firstly, may I apologize for the quality of the audio to the listeners from last week, which was below par, but it's, a, it's all a learning curve here. Um, further apologies that we're a day late doing this as well. However, this was Andrew's idea, and um, we are literally starting the podcast on the exact time that the Springboks have announced their squad for the game against Ireland. <clears throat> we are not actually privy to that squad, but we're going to have a bit of fun soon and uh, pick the team we think they will select, and then and then we'll literally look at the team they have <laughs> selected after. So we will probably look like a couple of dursers uh, yeah, we shortly. Will. We will look like complete twits. But, and, and I'm sure that there'll be some sort of a surprise in there just to um, you know, keep the Irish on their toes. Did You you, you saw the meme that I sent you about um, Rassi. the joke with Rassi and them, them saying, you know, can you imagine being the, the Irish analyst and he's told to analyse the game from Saturday against Romania where we had four scrum halves, and three hookers in, in in the squad, which was you know massively confusing, and then playing them all out of position. And at one time, we well, we actually went into a game with three players that scrummed in the same game, and two of them weren't in the hooking position. Well, didn't start in the hooking position. So yeah, I mean, it just gets confusing. We had nines on the wing, we had a nine at nine and a nine at ten. Hey, <laughs> yeah, good luck to the Irish analyst. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, before we actually go into last week's games, and we'll, we'll do it reasonably quickly, I think, this week, um, uh, just a nod that uh, I opened a bottle of uh, Bordeaux Superior this evening, and mm. Andrew has turned up with uh, 
Whatever Pretty much is. the same. <laughs> a grand vent of uh, Bordeaux. So I think we're going to get through two two bottles this evening. This yeah. is going to be interesting. So as as you, as I start slurring, just forgive me and let me enjoy it. Absolutely. So Springboks Romania soon then. However, first up over the weekend for memory was France and Uruguay. Um, a hell of a performance by Uruguay. Uh, so give them credit. And they were very unlucky actually. Uh, Towards the end of the game, uh, France scored a very fortuitous try. Mm. If, I don't know if you saw that, Andrew. No, that, that, that was a game I missed. But you know, he, hearing about and I was following it, kind of on um, through the SuperSport app. I couldn't believe what I was what I was reading. I mean, you know, Uruguay stayed in it the entire way, and understandably, it was a second string team, but. Um, yeah, they should be doing better than that. And I think what it does do, you know, if we think about it and we think you know, we're wanting the Springboks to win, there's a gulf between the first and second choice French teams. Okay, so uh, bravo to uh, Uruguay. Uh, the following evening, we saw the uh, All Blacks completely uh, dismantle um, Namibia. Um, Bit of an unfortunate legacy to this game, however, with the Namibian injury. Yeah, Of course, there was a few green faces from the players, um, and also um, with the news of the uh, Kiwi uh, getting the red card, De Groot, and um, I believe it's now two game ban. A two game ban. What, what, what do you what do you make of that ban? What's a yellow card? Wasn't yeah, that upgraded in the bunker? So another controversial uh, decision. I I saw it as a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, but myself a yellow card, nothing more. Come back, and again, you, you know, for me, lots of mitigate, lots of mitigation, bending at the knees and whatever. I do want to come back at some point and just talk about these cards. So let's let's move on. But no, um, I I have a another hypothesis, another Andrew hypothesis about cards and that. So well, I'll be looking forward to hearing that because it was a <laughs> huge concern from both of us yeah. for this World Cup, and uh, unfortunately. What we fear is taking place. Um, anyway, um, just before we move on from New Zealand, let's hear from uh, one of the voices from New Zealand, Albie, and his take from the weekend. Bola bola to my Fijian brothers for their win over Australia. Just awesome. And didn't Paul C just get very tasty? And I'd also like to wish Larue Milan a speedy recovery from what looked like a horrific ankle injury and looking how green some of those players went, it can't have been nice for them either. All Blacks Namibia, uh, national anthems were again the biggest loser, but I reckon it's a genius move by the organisers because it keeps getting me tuning in just to see how bad it can get. Oh, look, and what about the game? Um, not for the scoreline or the quality of the rugby, but it's only at the Rugby World Cup that these two nations will get to play each other. And just awesome to see Namibia getting stuck in and I'm sure there were many stories and jersey swaps in the changing rooms after the game, and hopefully a little brown ale or two. Although, look, can't really read too much into it. A valiant effort from Namibia, but the All Blacks had the freedom to express themselves without any real pressure and certainly no rush defence. Still got grave concerns about the All Blacks. Um, I think we've squandered the last four years under this coach with just so many players in our back line playing out of position, and it's really starting to show. Um, oh, look, let's not be all pessimistic. Uh, Aaron Smith, you've served us brilliantly as a fantastic halfback, but I do feel the time is right to let Cam Royguard go. The boy needs to be released because he's the real deal. Um, Lester Fyang Anuku, um, awesome on the wing and probably played himself into a starting spot. 
distribution and offloads were sharp, but then again, look, as I said, no, no pressure. So you've got freedom of movement, low light. And something's got to be said about John Kerwin's eyewear. I mean, what's he doing there? He looks <laughs> like he's moonlighting as an arc welder. And it must be bloody hard on his lugs carrying those around all day. Uh, look, bye weekend coming up for us. I reckon the All Blacks are going to go away. It's all going to come together and a brand new world-beating team will be back. Have a good podcast, fellas. Over and out. Many thanks, Albie, as ever. Uh, just a quick one on the uh, scrum half, Aaron Smith. He was phenomenal against France. Yeah, he kept I, um, DuPont very quiet. I, so. I think he could have been man of the match, mm. even though they lost. I, I thought he actually upped his game. But I agree with Albie too. That uh, Cam um, Roygaard came on. He scored against us at Twickenham. Wow. They, and, and that was a <laughs> wow. proper try. Wow. Yeah, we, you know, he broke a lot of tackles and, and went through. Yeah. I saw he scored a couple um, again in this game. And, uh, yeah, it looks like one for the future. They've really got a talent there. So, yeah, it's a fine balance because you know, to take Aaron Smith out and then put him in, you know, if it's a success, everyone will say, yeah, good, good choice. But if it doesn't, they'll say, oh, you should have gone with experience in a World Cup. So, but then yeah, again, yeah. It's, it's quite clear that New Zealand probably have to do something slightly different if but, they want to win this but, World Cup. Yeah, but when you've got a guy that potentially was man of the match against France, you don't swap mm. him out because he was your best player. So, oh, if, if maybe if you're a Russian jock, you'll play him on the wing full back or something. Oh, they'd love them both in the, in the yeah, spot, eh? exactly. Six scrum-offs. <coughs> oh, yeah, six scrum-offs and, and three of them in the forwards. So. Okay. Well, moving on to the Ireland game. Um, I did watch some of this and watched the highlights and Ireland looked incredibly slick. Mm. Really well-oiled machine. Um, gosh, I know Tonga from f from the parts of the game. I did see they were winning the scrums, and yeah. testing them yeah. in 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 the tight five. That's a However, for well, yeah, but their system and their process is so smooth, so slick that they just clicked into gear, and they're very impressive. Yeah, very but impressive. You said to me you think Ireland have got a power game, and I was a bit surprised that you think they've got a power game. There's no power games if you're getting shoved by. Tonga, I think it's a, a, a potential Achilles heel for Ireland. They also lost um, Bielan, who, you know, considering they've already lost their sec or their third prop, and then he came hobbling off. I don't know what the diagnosis is after the game. Their potential third and fourth choice props are now both out. So if you take the way that we play against them or against teams, they, they can get parity in the prop department because their props mm. are really good. You know, Porter... Um, Todd Fiddle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're really good. But who do you now bring on? You bring on five and six to then deal with, you know, Ox and Trev. Um, and, and that'll be a big, big ask for them. Oh, we'll get on to that soon. So, yeah, that's... Um... What, what, so, I'm going to wind the Irish up. I, I call it now Ireland and other because they've got so many foreigners in their team. In fact, they played against Tonga. Um, so, the tries were scored by the Kiwi the Australian, and two tries scored by, I'll give you a guess where he's from. Uh, New Zealand. Tonga. Tonga. Yeah. So. <laughs> Bandiaki is in sensation form. He is. He is. He's, he's the first pick now. And, um, he's, he's a one-man wrecking crew, and I watched one or two. I watched that RTE podcast or TV show, and, and they reckon that he's a key um, in, in terms of getting past us, breaking out of fence, mm. being more direct. Uh, um, he attracts a lot of defenders. 
and um, because of because of that, you'll hear Dear your Andy little. Will play. No, no. So I've gone with Estherhazen in my team, who's I'm thinking he can handle him, and he's used to playing against him. So, um, anyway, just a quick one on Bandiaki. Well, bravo on you because you yeah. were definitely on the periphery two, three years ago. Mm. I was thinking he was probably on his way out of the island setup. I, I thought I was like, thinking he's a fat, slow, um, you know, and you should probably look at playing like uh, Frank or something because I didn't see it, but he, he's lost some weight. He's um, fast. Yeah, and he gets over the game run. He's been on Percy's egg white diet and he's yeah. just kicked yeah. on. I think, um, as well, one thing we don't want to miss, Elmer, is Johnny Sexton. And you, you know, I've never always been his biggest fan after likewise, his behavior. Likewise. After his behavior before that, and I, I've mentioned it before, I, Ireland have always been everybody's second team. You know, generally, you'd always support the Irish. And after the way he behaved a few times, He's put a lot of people off, mm. but credit where credit's due. Over a thousand points scored in international rugby. Now the number one Irish point scorer. And you know what I really liked? I liked the way and how much I celebrated and how much it meant to him after scoring that point. It could have been, you know, you making the Craven Week squad and winning, you know, getting. It was just like young and in, the enthusiasm was there. And you can just, it meant a lot and it shows you the, the hunger. That he's there with him. Oh, he's so clearly very, very hungry still. Yeah. Okay, so on to uh, game of the weekend, surely. Australia v Fiji. Gosh, what a belter that was. Yeah, I, so I, I don't think it was a belter. I, I think Fiji, Fiji just dominated them. And because of the excitement that they bring, um, it makes the game, the hype. Uh, during the game, you're on. You're on like tender hooks the whole time because every time Fiji get the ball, you think they can score. And you're waiting for some sort of wonder play for them to do something that doesn't happen, but they do it, and that's going to score. So the whole game's hyped up by the way that they play. Um, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved the game. Yeah. Um, partly because Australia, I wouldn't say fallen off a cliff, but Australia won the same team you know, mm. four or five years ago. Um, the what loss I, of skeletons big for them. Yeah, and um, and... And it needed to be for for the teams to have some sort of parity. Fiji played um, with a lot of discipline in the first half. I was, I was really enjoying that part of the game. I enjoyed the uh, scrum half. He was kicking beautifully, kicking sticks beautifully. Looked very small guard, but looked very assured. Well, they they dropped um, their first choice to play him because he's a kicker. And uh, you know, I made the comment, cough cough, Rassi. That... <laughs> That people learn from from these mistakes, and look what a difference it made. What it did was it gave them scoreboard scoreboard pressure. I mean, they came a little bit from behind exactly. and, and then got on top. Exactly. But it kept them in the game. Whereas in the past they would rely on some outrageous try or something. But very yeah. very disciplined. Um, Australia were they were so uh, fortunate to be in that game. The first try was clearly not a try. I don't yeah. know what it even. I think it even went to the TMO, and the TMO was uh, awarded the try also. Um, but one thing that was certainly lacking from what I could see is the lack of experience in the Australian uh, team. The, uh, there was, oh, the experience they've left behind. And, and it said it all to me when Gordon was, he's their only fly half and yeah. he was substituted, subs brought off. And that nobody was in control of that game. It was crying out for a, uh, even a Quade Cooper mm -hmm. and Hooper, those, those people who've been Beal. there, done it, controlling the game. Yeah. Beal, Beal, well, yes, all of those guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
I mean, what stands out for me is I, I think I was saying to somebody, um, if if you gave Fiji a proper bank account to roll the development of of them, do you know that there were seven Fijian-born players in, in the Wallabies, the, in the Wallabies mm. squad? I don't think they're all on the, in the team on the weekend. So you got seven in there. But if you could bankroll them, give them proper uh, proper coaches, um, and also bring all their people back in a four-year cycle, they would win the World Cup. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, in the second half, the uh, with the substitutions, and unfortunately, the uh, scrum half got injured, so he was off. That was that made a big difference in my mind. Mm. The um, the Fijian set piece, particularly the lineup, really started failing. It was pretty poor in the in the um, in the second half, and gave the Wallabies a real pathway back to, you know, really they should have, if they'd had the players, they should have come back and won that game, mm. even for fourteen points behind. However, there's nothing about them intact, and credit to the jackling skills because um, Fiji were turning over balls for fun in that second mm. half. So the the two biggest players, and one of them won man of the match. Last week, we were saying, if you recall, I think we agreed on it, but I was saying, I can't believe they didn't play Tuisova until mm. 60 minutes and Botia until Botia, 60 minutes. phenomenal. How good is Botia? Also, Botia, somebody came off. And, no, he, um, he, he only came on. Him and Tuisova came on. So Tuisova, he, he looks like a, a bodybuilding mutant. And as do the rest of the team. The, the genetic pool there is <coughs> something ridiculous. And... Like I said, I, I just think in the right environment, they would be, with only a, a population of under a million, would be the force to be reckoned with. No, of course they would. And we, and we, you, you name six or seven examples who are playing for the Wallabers, but there's numerous other examples who are playing um, for uh, other international teams, or not even available for Fiji. So, phenomenal. Uh, bravo, Ed, Fiji. Eddie Jones? Well, um, he left... He left much needed experience at home and i've known two of the players it was quite obvious that they needed a quite cooper on the pitch and a hooper they needed players who've been there done it and can track things up calm it down control the game so it's like eddie are you okay are you okay eddie? clearly not i think um, his head's gone did you see did you see the post-match uh, press conference i didn't i heard it was 30 minutes of awkwardness uh, well 18 minutes okay of there you go strange i do, do you know when sometimes you meet somebody that you think lives on an in an alternate un, alternate universe? That is where Eddie is. The absolute rubbish that he's talking. Um, he's belittling the game at the World Cup. He's belittling mm. Australia. He's belittling the journalists that are asking genuine questions, trying to find out information. And personally, I think he's he's degrading the game I, I don't like what he's doing there no i agree with you and imagine being a wallabies supporter right now uh, yeah i i think at, at times you need to be honest about where you are and what you're doing and eddie's just carrying on beating the drum that they really good and they're going to be good but they're clearly not there yet i i don't know as a player how i would be feeling sitting in that camp because the coach is disillusioned. It looks to me as if, I've mentioned the lack of experience, it looks to me as if they've just picked a load of uh, youngsters, in my mind, or test match novices, with a view to building for the future. That's how it comes across, which is kind of understandable in the rugby championship, mm. two, two years or one mm. year out from the World Cup. But 
It's the World Cup. <laughs> well, I think uh, Borthwick's got a similar. Um, he's doing a similar thing. Borthwick, they picked him playing a team and a system so that they don't lose rather than they get anywhere in the tournament. I mean, Borthwick should get into the semi-finals. Eddie, seven losses from eight is for for Wallabies. I mean, you just think of the players of the past, Horn, Roth, you know. The players we grew up with watching. Eels, I mean, these were giants of the game. Eels, Lionel, Kampa. Exactly, exactly. Can you imagine how they must be feeling? Nick Four Jones, remember those oh, from 95? Man, man. What a team. won the World Cup twice. They, brilliant. Uh, Larkham, uh, you know, these guys were trailblazers mm. in rugby. They, you know, George Bregan, he was sat there as one of the pundits. And I, I turned and said to my dad, that is a rugby great. And George Bregan was very diplomatic, but he must just be feeling so embarrassed about what's going on. And then the complete denial in the press conference and making it a complete shambles. I, I don't like it. It's, it's not usually done in rugby, okay. and uh, Eddie must shock me. Otherwise, he's going to get a horse club. Well, it's well said, Angie. Okay, then. <laughs> well, moving on to the game afterwards, which was England v. Japan. Let's uh, hear from our England uh, representative, uh, Big Ben. What can you say about that game? Well, two things, I think. Um, number one, it's there. We can turn it on if we have to. We, it, it, something's there. The second thing you can take from that game is that all the typical Joe Marler fans, you know, the guys that get free tickets to the big game, the odd um, England ladies game, are going to be running up to everyone Instead of shouting, this is what rugby's all about, after four fights of Harlingen, they're going to be saying, Joe Marler had the defining moment of that World Cup, when really all the useless it did was get in the way, much like every prop in the Surrey third division. Um, other than that, we're out of the pool stage, isn't we? Um, we got the Whipping Boys next. And then the South Sea Islanders, that's going to be bruising. They've got nothing to lose and everything to prove, so they're just going to throw themselves at us. And basically, I think that game will be mainly try and get a bonus point and keep injuries down to a minimum. I mean, you know, there's no point in me actually doing them anymore of these podcasts until you know, quarterfinals. Although I'm going to Amsterdam to watch the Chile game, and I thought. Got to do something to make this World Cup a bit more interesting, haven't we? All right, guys, I'm, I might see you next week. Who knows? Bye. Many thanks to Big Ben uh, with his uh, weekly is, voice note from the bus station at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, is that what he is? He sounds like he's on a highway or he just like gets off watching cars go past. What's he up to? Gosh, pr maybe more preferable to watching the first half of that England uh, <laughs> Japan game. Huh? Wow. Yeah, and, and you know what the awkward thing is, is that there was praise for the English team by certain ex-England players for that performance, and I didn't get it. I, I cringed at times. I know for kind of 10 minutes, they did look like they strung a few phases together, hmm. and the cross kick from Ford to um, the best goalkeeper in the Premiership, Stuart on Stewart. the win, yeah, was really good. But everything else was dreadful. The first, definitely the first half, and then maybe another 50 minutes into the second half was dreadful. Mm. 
and some of the commentators were commenting on this, you could literally hear at times the England supporters in the stadium groaning on and booing. Us. And I didn't hear the booing, but it wouldn't have surprised me. When Mitchell was kicking, they started booing. Well, one thing that was unbelievably evident was that um, they're playing this Mitchell, I presume because he plays with a lot of tempo in the Premiership. He's mm. renowned for getting, I think he's with Northampton, and he gets to the breakdown very fast, gets the ball away quickly, and keeps that moment gets it to the wings very quickly. Yeah, the irony being that Mitchell was running to the rucks and slowing every single ruck down until it was static. The old tunnel would come out the back and then up would go the nonsense kick. And every time England got possession within the backs, it was every time in the opposition half, the likes of Daly Hill or Ever would just put the boot onto the ball, it'd either go long it'd be and it'd be lost. And Mark got just as a rugby supporter alone, it was incredibly frustrating and weird to watch. Mm. Teams deliberately slowing down the tempo, but to, for what purpose? For what purpose? And uh, and the only, from what I saw, well, the only also being that Ben Youngs came on and it got a bit quicker mm. after a calamity try, just <laughs> with I, a head tennis, so which what, changed what I, the game. What I do think England are probably the best at is they would probably have the slowest team in the World Cup. Oh, Dan they, Cole can shift, course. Yeah, well, he, he could in World War One when, <laughs> when he stormed the trenches. <laughs> but um, now I can't really... I mean, I just... George Ford, he, he's not a runner. He, then, you know... Um, man of the match again. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I don't know how he got man of the match. I, I think uh, Big Ben should have won man of the match. And there were slim pickings in that department. You know, the, the Japanese wing came in, or fullback came into uh, it a bit. Very good. But if you look at the back line, Tua Lagi, um, Freddie Stewart, they look like they're treading in triacle when they run. They are marshant. They're all slow. And, and I've seen them when they've been turned and try to catch players. They are incredibly slow. The um, Sorry for interrupting you, Andrew. The um, couple of players who stood out to me, but only... Only as the game was going on and on and on. Uh, uh, ben Earls, is that Ben Earls? That's what I said. I think he would have been man of the match. And Marchant came came in late, very late to the game. Who, who was playing twelve again? Uh, Marchant. Was, Lawrence. Uh, no, it's too long. No, no, no. Okay. He was playing thirteen. It was Marchant or Lawrence? Yeah, both of them are car horses. Um, I've seen continents drift quicker than those two move around the pitch. Or the question is, are, are they? Is this the best team England can pick? Silence. <laughs> okay. Let's not get into that. For now, it's not our problem. It's Big yeah. Ben's. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the final game of the weekend we'll talk about is Romania v Springboks. So Romania 0, Springboks 76, I believe, from memory. Yeah. Um, gosh. So the scrum horse ran the show. Yeah. I've, I've got nothing to say on this. I, I thought it was boring. I, I, mm. I don't think there's anything good about these kind of games. I do think the World Cup should be run on two tiers. I think there should be a tier two tournament, and then the top two go through and carry on with the tier one nation. So you kind of because scoring eighty points against these guys and it's consistently happening yeah. is a big deal. I I do think that they should mingle, and if you finished, you know, you'd probably get a Portugal and a um, Uruguay that would come through from that. And as we've seen, they're getting a lot of recognition. Um, but I don't. I, I like. I don't even think it's worth. It's ridiculous. Okay, so um, I'm, 
I'm kind of in that camp with you. Although it's it's good to see these teams at the World Cup, and uh, certainly yeah, they're not the team. Center. They're not the team that played in 1995. And, I mean, that was a closer game. But, but there's also silly things going on, Elmer. Like, you, you know, the the Portuguese team. So there was five guys <coughs> on, the, on the pitch that have never been to Portugal. So the Portuguese authorities or rugby union, whatever they're called, are scouring the French leagues, and. Um, Two of their players were in the fourth division of the French league. Okay, have never been to Portugal. Now, yeah, like I think it makes a little bit of a mockery of of what's going on. I, I don't support that sort of carry on. I know it's a well, it's, maybe it's a stronger. But it's endemic know. through the game, I'm afraid. Oh, really? So you who who can you pick you, a you pick a, a that haven't been a to lot. the country they've been chosen for. Okay, go that far, but certainly they've, they've qualified on residency residency terms. You could look at um, Ireland, Scotland, lot, lots I, of teams close to home. I know, but this, this is a new dimension that I didn't even know. Okay. I have issues with that. Do you even know? I'm, I'm completely unaware of it. So if you go back to the Romania Springboks game, um, it could have been even more farcical if it hadn't been for the 20, 25 minutes of rain, which really levelled the game out. <laughs> yes, it didn't it? There was no scoring I was during actually that happy period. to see rain. Um, but... Well, let's let's just talk about then any standouts or people who are not so good because I, I I have some players in mind that I learned a little bit more from and maybe they'll learn more from it. No, well. I don't be, because I, I I don't think you can. I, how can you compare? You you got a group of piano movers versus the second best team in the world. So. Okay, well my concern for a number of years has been the fly half and kicking sticks, and we saw um, very average kicking performances from uh, Willemser. And then Faf took over. Mm. Even he couldn't get it right. He missed a couple. Um, so that wasn't uh, that was an opportunity to really uh, let's see let's see these guys step up now. Mm. Um, I thought Moody had a relatively poor game. Um, I think he uh, remember him breaking through completely, but should have tried with options left and right, and tried to do a New Zealand game again I, and I step inside. I don't think he was really in the game, but I, I recall. I also think he let himself down a little bit with that. He was a bit stingy. And he he had options where he could have scored. It went right for him against New Zealand. It didn't go right for him. There's a learning there for him. hundred percent, and that's what we want to see in these games because he also uh, was offside uh, under the post and, and and stopped another try. Um, a bit concerned with Vincent Cook and what, what's going on here. I'm not hearing much about why why has he been so dark. Yeah, I, I had two things. One, there was a knee issue, and then I saw him sitting with like a big gash above his eye that he had stitched up, and the, and then. From two different sources from within the team, I saw Niharba say that there was a knee incident, and then there was someone else that said he couldn't play because he had had this big gash across his eye and it didn't make sense to start him if he didn't have to because he had, he had had it stitched up. So I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything further about it. So I gather that's it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to Ryan Orkham and Pimpy for scoring three tries apiece, and um, and. There's been a lot of people afterwards as ever um, bemoaning about Villiers who made some appalling handling mistakes. Granted, but also in that game he um, he was contributing. He was the key man in contributing to a number of tries in the game. So uh, a typical Villiers, I think. Uh, yeah, I think coming in up until um, the New Zealand game, he had four or five very consistent games, and then he became the calamity Villiers. Um, that we saw in the last World Cup, and you know what you get, and <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, 
is Damien a better option? I think he is. Um, yeah, so I disagree with that. Yeah, well, good, good. It's good to that we disagree. Okay, well, let's see uh, a different perspective than ours. Let's see what the voice from the cape himself thought about the game. Right now that we've got the synopsis out of the way, let's look a little bit closer at the Springbok game itself. Um, I thought we were very, very good, very, very strong. Too strong, obviously, for the likes um, of Romania. But there were some good things there. I, I thought Andre Estes, and again, proving to me why he should be starting. And I do feel that he should be starting against Ireland this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, I think the centre pairing was okay. They, were, they didn't really set the world alight. Um, I thought Reinach was good, I thought Willemsen was good, Vully had an absolute shocker, oh my <laughs> god, how bad was Vully Leroux, but there's not really much we can all say about this game, it's a good win, it's a good bonus point, Ireland sent us a very clear message against Tonga that they came to play, and I think South Africa reciprocated by telling Ireland, yeah, we here too, uh, this is what we can do. So without that, the good thing is we've come through unscathed. Uh, not many injuries to speak of. Uh, Pollard back in the fold. We'll see how that's going to sort of influence what the squad will look like. Um, but I do think there are players now seriously putting their hands up to be included in this absolute massive game coming this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, the team is being re announced in the next couple of hours. So hopefully we'll get that through. And I'm sure all of us will have some opinions, some strong uh, regarding the selection. But we will wait and see. But yeah, yet another clinical performance, some good tries, some good work backline moves. I thought the Springboks were good. Well, thank you, Anwar. And um, you said the team's going to be announced in the next couple of hours. It's already been announced on... Uh, um, refraining from opening my, from touching my phone and looking at the I see uh, I see I've got hundreds there. of texts so there, there is a surprise in there I'm sure <laughs> okay okay so before we actually talk about the uh, Springboks game against Ireland and the squad at hand um, let's hear from Sean the nose now and uh, his three takeaways from round two of the Rugby World Cup my top three takes from the past week of the World Cup Number one, the fabulous Fijians. Wow, what a result. First time they've beaten Oz in 69 years, I think it is. Incredible match. Um, real proper knockout rugby. The scrum off had a very good game. Nailed his kicks, kept the scoreboard pressure um, on. And um, Botia had a fantastic game. I think he made 12 from 12 tackles. He had three turnovers, he had three offloads. And also Tuisova had three turnovers and a try. Why those two didn't play in the first match, I'll never know. But yeah, Fiji are the real deal. They played superbly. My second take is the Irish. The Irish look like a very well-oiled machine. Bearing in mind they haven't played against a Tier 1 nation, I don't think it is. But um, they look very, very good. Um, be interesting, very interesting to see how they go against uh, South Africa this weekend. And my third take from this weekend is, is it genius? Is it innovative? Was it just playing crazy? Box playing four scrum halves, um, 
as well as our backup hooker or two flanks. I don't know. I'm not so sure. It seemed to work against Romania. Romania seemed very weak. But um, to try that against a tier one nation, I'm not so sure. Those are my three takes from the weekend. Really looking forward to the box against the Irish. Take care, bye. Thank you, Sean the Nose. Um, sounds lacquer over where he is. <laughs> <laughs> nice chilled music. Okay, then. Saturday, this Saturday, 9 pm, French time, SA time, 8 pm, UK time, I presume. Island be the Springboks. Oh, my word. As, so, as the Malay kicks in. <laughs> so, we're going, to have a bit, we're going to have a bit of fun now, Angie. So, yep. um, we've selected a team we believe Jock will select for this game. And then we'll get the actual team he selected up straight after. And um... no, so I picked the team I would select. Okay. It's a bit of a. Oh, have you picked the one you think they'll? Yeah. Pick? Okay. Is that vastly different to yours? Um, no, there's there'll okay, be two so... changes which I'll mention. Okay. Well, let's let's, yeah. let's check it out. Then. Should we go through the the front row? Let's go through the front. Okay. Row, so yeah. kits off Bongi France. Yeah, that's the same. Okay. Eben Mostert. Picks itself. Yeah. Okay. Peter Stefter Toy Kalisi Visa. I've got Peter Stuff, Sia, and Dwayne. Why Dwayne and not Visa? The reason I've gone for Dwayne is because uh, Malcolm Marks is out. And Marks is a good fetcher. He's good over the ball. Mm. And I think with his loss, Dwayne fills that void, if you like. Mm. Who's better than him? Uh, so I, I agree with you. I think that's, that's, that's a really valid... So that's my rationale. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good rationale. So l listen to mine for picking Visa. Visa for me is not a good closer. He doesn't galvanize and clean. He, because of the way he plays, he runs away from kind of the other forwards. And, but, and that's his style. He's a wrecking ball. And, and I get that. So I thought, even if you only play him for 20 minutes, so Dwayne can do a 60, start with Visa and play. I like having Dwayne at the end. I've always said, I think he brings calm. I think he, he's, he's almost the key ring that all the key keys, individual keys, if they the the team members, the scrum men, he galvanizes them and pulls them together. And I think he's good to have there at the end. You've seen him in Chasing the Sun. You see the stuff and you see what he means to the others. It's like taking your big brother to a fight. Hey, it just gives you something extra. So th that would be, but it's, you know, yours is an interesting observation. So, okay. As is yours, Angie. Yeah, As yeah. is yours. Cool. Uh, I've got Faf Marnie. Yeah, likewise. Then I have Esther Hayden and Moody. Okay, so I've got um, Dialandi and Creel, however, in brackets next to them, for my <laughs> picks, which are the two changes I was talking about, yeah. are the same, Esther okay. Hayden and Moody. Okay. Um, then I have Colby, Willemse, and Mapimpi. Okay, so my back three are Aronsa, Colby, LaRue. Right, so we there. And you've got Colby on the wrong wing. I've got Colby on the right wing. But Orenso has never played on the left. Okay, but you're still going to go I've with I've got him. a reason for that, yeah, because he, he goes against uh, Lowe, who's uh, the winger, Lowe. No. He plays on the left wing as far as I know. So the other way around. That's okay. the other way around. Then I'm, I'm happy to switch. To who would you switch? Oh, you mean Colby and Orenso? Look, I, I think with our wingers, but it's such fun. Why well, am a pimpy? So here we'll go. Mapimpi, I think, has almost 
he had a bit of a drop off in um, performance and I think he's worked really hard to get back. I like the extra bit of physicality. Mm. I like the hunger the guy showed, so the determination. And I think he is the player in the back line that's quite inspirational. I, I find him as an inspirational person because of his backstory. And he does want to lose. I, I think he's the kind of guy that will rather cut off his own balls than give I up two agree. centimeters. I quite agree with you. And there are similarities, I, I think, between him and many Irish players down the years as well. Mm. Uh, they, oh, they've always had that bit of dog, if you like, about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. That aggressiveness, natural aggressiveness. Um, put the head in where it hurts. Or always fight, always pump the legs. And he comes across as a player cut from that same cloth. So, um, I, for me, he's worked his way back into the team. Okay, and you heard who at uh, 15? Vilimsa. You've gone for Vilimsa. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't need to be worried um, about Vili. I don't. If you recall, Vilimsa got back into the 15 top and then Vili kind of got it back of him. And it's narrow margins. I, I won't be unhappy to see Vili there. Let's put it that way. I'm not mm. unhappy to see Orensa there. I think all these guys are really good in their positions. Just for me, it, it makes more sense. So, uh, let's look at the bench then, Angie. So, I've gone for a 6-2 split. Okay. And yourself? Me too. Yourself, okay. And I've gone for Trevor. Yes. Ox. Yes. Dion Free. No. So, I've uh, gone with Finn Starden. Okay. And why? Size. Grunt. I think Bongi is going to play for 70 minutes. Um, from starting can cover two and um, six. He, he looked better for me than when he was throwing in than Dion Fourie. Dion Fourie was always a calamity mm. playing for the store. It was his one weakness. If I wanted to play Fourie, I'd want to play him as an out and out flanker fetcher. Okay, so um, that's pretty much the reason I put him in there in terms of his fetching ability late in the mm. game. I, again, I have mm. no issue with that. Mm. Like, I, I, you know, it's just a preference on what I saw. I, wh where I think we'll beat Ireland is a bit with a bit more bulk. I think if we have to go to that grind it out, I'd like the extra size. And he's uncompromising, uh, Finn Stardom. Okay. Um, well, to be honest, open a bottle top with his eye. But we're talking about he's two two undercover flankers posing as hookers in police terms here. So we <laughs> we have no. I mean, it's it's almost farcical, isn't it? But we're we're in this situation where we're playing flankers at hooker yeah. in a huge game, number one in the world, league two in the world. I Will we get away with it? I think it's a big no. We won't. And if Bongi goes down, we are in serious trouble. Hmm. Okay, so we we we've got all of that. Then I've got Vermeulen because, like I said, I'd I'd want him to come. So on. I've got uh, Jasper. Okay. And then I have Vili and Grant Williams as the two on the bench. Um. So who have I got? So Trevor Ox, Dion, uh, Orgy. Viking, Visa, um, I've got Jean Klein, and I've got Williams, Grant Williams, and Willem Yeah, we've got the same team, just in different orders, who's starting and who's not, <laughs> except Orensa. I don't have Orensa in my mm. match day, and you don't have my pen. Okay, <coughs> so, <coughs> very excitedly, dum, 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 Andrew, dum. do you have the team at hand? I'm going to have it at hand. Okay, so. I saw it come up. And, uh, so while you're searching for that. Um, I've got it. You've got it now. I've okay. It. Okay. 
and, and obviously we're going to be wrong. <laughs> it's a 7-1 split. Okay, so this first observation is 7-1 split. Let's start as we've started, and okay. let's do the uh, the front three. Yeah, but, uh, so Kitsov, Bongi, France. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's my pick. Eben, Franco, Sia, Peter, Steph, Jasper. Wow, so your theory on uh, Dwayne, you're feeling more comfortable with him finishing. That's that's on the presumption he's on the uh, he's on the bench. Yeah, he's not on the bench. So well, let's go on. So what then the we go, fuck? then we go to Flyhoff. Uh, Marnie, Colby, Dialinde, Creel, Kirtley, Valimsa. So your wings and and or Kirtley, you got right, and then um, Valimsa instead of Vili. Vili Vili. Okay. Okay. So answer plays. So if we now go, wow, the seven-one split. So this is deliberate. So I presume Quagga's in there. So one one question here: yeah. Who is the backline player? And I, I'll, I'll let me give you a hint. You love him to death, and you okay. think he's your son. Backline player. Who is who is your favourite backline player ever? Ever. Oh my word, you're, you're tired. Rana. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep thinking Vili. Okay. <laughs> oh, you want two children. <laughs> oh, Vili, so, not in. So the 7 1. If wow. I, if, if, this, this is... if we're thinking 7 1, then my mind immediately goes back to Twickenham, the game we were at, where Reinock was the one. Okay, so name the 7 then, please. So Dion Ferry, yep. he, he's down as the hooker replacement. Okay. So 16. Yep. Ox Trevor, yep. Jean Sneeman, Marco Quacha Kobus. So two two bigger missions here. Dwayne. Dwayne and Vili. Uh, Quacha uh, performed really well against the Kiwis off the bench. Who? Quacha Smith. Yeah, he did. He did. He really well. Fantastic. Scored a try. And looked, I know it's Romani, he looked very good in the first half. Have you heard anything about Dwayne being... Yeah, I mean, his form's been fantastic. He's been the best. Day. Do you think it's another? We're not putting our first team out there. Um, we can lose and still we don't care who we play in the quarters. I mean, I think Dwayne there's an element of that. Really not a, like, do you know what? If anything, that they surprise us every time. Eh? I mean, you you can't in a seven-one. <laughs> Do you think that it's a risk. Irish analyst? It's a risk. Where do you think that Irish analyst? Well, it's a risk, but you've got you've got Kubis Reinach that can play what nine, fourteen. You've got guys in the back line. You've got Willemse that can play everywhere. You've got Colby and Faf that can cover ten, fifteen. I, I see. I see. What this is telling me, my first interpretation, Mana, and Chanela with the forwards Ockfok. That that's what that team is. I mean, there's incredible pace outside that well, blitz. But this is saying we come in for you up front. And and last year in um in Dublin the game now I think we lost by three points from yeah. um obviously numerous chances to win through the fly off but we didn't cook. Mm. However, what we did do was um, close them down very well. I know they got off to quite a good start. Close them down, strangled them almost. And I think that's what they're looking to do here. Yeah, this signals a um, so so something that I wrote down on on one of my notes that I wanted to talk about listening to the Irish was 
they say, well, you know what South Africa is going to bring. It's a very simplistic game plan and probably the most predictable mm. in the world. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I don't really agree with that right now. I would have agreed with you six months ago. But, mm. um, or two I, years ago. Yeah, two years. Okay. And um, I didn't think that, <laughs> that was right. And then what have we done? We've gone for predictable. We're going route one. Can you imagine if, if we win the Irish journalists with the seven uh, one split and oh, the legality? Matt or... Williams, well, uh, Matt, Matt Williams, who two, you know, I, the I Irish two, wannabe. I, I went in, I went to Scottish wannabe. I went and um, like watched him in a few more um, podcasts and interviews and TV shows, and he's actually very complimentary of the South Africans. He was saying he thinks they're the team to beat. Um, the fact that they did the seven-one split and his whole rant about that made no sense. But um, he he has said, and and from before the World Cup, I think they're the team to beat. What do you make of this? Um, well, it's 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 hard, isn't it? Because we've literally read this out during the podcast, and with no time to reflect on it or think. So we're 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 reacting to it. Um, so we've got three loose forwards on the bench. Eh? Three. For Reef and Starden and Quacker. I, I like the fact that they've kept the two um, locks. It makes sense for me. And then Kubas Ranoff is, yeah, I mean, he's the joker in the pack. So um, He's played his way in. Hasn't he just? Hasn't he just? Well, it's your genetics, my boy. And the 7-1 um, split, he's been part of it before. Yeah. And did a reasonable job in that 7-1 split. You, do you think if you're a player and you're in the back line, Puts a lot of responsibility on you. And do you think, as a backline player with one reserve, do you think you're confident to go? Just with the new... I never played under this kind of... Um, the, the way they do these splits now. So I don't know. But I, I'm thinking if, if I'm a... Because of it's, it's a new kind of methodology of how you play rugby, you can't get injured. You, you like... So, Russ, you're rolling a dice. You are rolling the dice. And did we need to roll the dice? Could we have not gone a bit more? We could have gone 6 2. You well, know, you did two. Dwayne must be injured. Well, maybe not. But let's say he's rolling the dice. <laughs> what if no one gets injured? What are the benefits of this 7 1 split? I presume seven all come at once. You're almost swapping a whole pack for another pack and, and we go again especially if we're dominating that pack. Do, do you know and, and it's almost clever in a, in a in another sense they'll be looking at so when did this seven one split come about it came about a twickenham and they With played an against new do. zealand the best brand in most successful team in rugby history and they got a <laughs> fucking puss club that no one will ever forget that was ever had any liking to springbok rugby who, why did the 7 This is my games. This is a Russie. Why did it happen in the first place? Who got injured? Uh, wasn't it um, Vili got injured in the warm-up, didn't he? Do you think he did? Quacha in. Yes, I do. Because <laughs> I, um, I, I, don't, I don't think these guys are duplicitous in... Uh, it, it would almost be like saying they were going to swap someone out for Pollard and, and fake an injury. And clearly that didn't happen. Mark got injured, they brought him in. Okay, well, while we digest this some more, let's uh, switch the conversation to Ireland at the moment. In Ireland of the last year or two, 
um, as we said before, uh, very slick. Ireland and other. Please get it right. Ireland and other. Okay. Mm. Ireland and their foreign legion. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, no, because that, that means they're French. Ireland, very slick, uh, very well drilled. Um, and very, very good at being almost error free, remarkably well disciplined, mm. don't give away many cards. Um, they keep possession of the ball incredibly well. They go mm. through the phases well for minutes at times. And when it does slow down, they have a wonderful um, ability of speeding up the play from certain ruts as well and playing with wit. Two good winningers. Uh, Hansen has really found form, the, mm. the Aussie. Australian. The Aussie, mm. yeah. And the Kiwi on the other wing, he's, uh, he's, he's come back into... Uh, the Maori and the other one. Another one who seemed to be on the periphery a couple of years ago and has come really back yeah, I strong. I remember watching him in Super Rugby. He was good then too. And, uh, but just kind of, he, he seemed to have fitted into the system much better within the, the, the Irish system, is not it? But yeah, but one thing that does, I mean, once they get going, um, very hard to play against. They play with a great intensity. Um, one thing that concerns me and it feeds into my um my paranoia if you like about our fly offs and lack of kickers is because they're so well disciplined they don't give away many penalties at all True. so the penalties you do have as you should at this level you need to take you need to kick sticks and get them over because they're super important they, they're not the number one team in the world for nothing no of course not they, they're 14 games unbeaten um let, let, let me let me counter that with a stat so South Africa in their last three games have conceded ten points, and they played the number. Um, they played the number five and the number three teams in the world, and then Romania. So in three games, their defence has conceded ten points. Is it ten or nine? Nine might be nine. Three. No, New Zealand scored what five? So five, eleven points. They conceded three against Scotland, and then three against Romania. Is that right? So, no, they didn't score anything against Romania. So that's eight, sorry, eight points they've conceded in three matches. Two have been against New Zealand and Scotland. So what you're talking about, what makes us such a cracker, is you're talking about the number one attacking team who have scored 10 tries mm. in their two World Cup games, playing against a team that's only conceded eight points in three games. That It's almost the polar opposites of each other playing each other. Hey, no, one absolutely. is a forward. Well, actually, we're not just forward dominated now, but we go, we're going to with that team. That's where <laughs> we we're going. Now. We are we, now. We yeah. we saying right. You know what we can do, and you need to stop at scenarios. Um, so what it does is it talks about a very physical team, um, coming at them in a very obvious way, and saying, "Can you stop us?" Versus an Irish team who are very good up front, uh, who will meet you at the game line, but then when they attack, are going to multi-phased mm. um, you know they go up to like 12 15 mm. phases they they, they yeah. don't get frustrated nope. they'll carry on coming at you it's super quick so another step that i heard was when they play the top teams is an average of two and a half seconds per ruck so that's extremely quick so potentially all these fetches we have in the teams you know we've got Quacha, we've got marco we've got um Fari, they need to slow that ball down. They need to slow that ball down so that they don't get the quick ruck ball because they feed off that. That's how they beat teams. And um, that's how we that's how we played last year in Dublin. Eventually, they got off to a fast start, which we can't let them do this time. I mean, mm. we're very good at chasing games. I, I was actually wondering if they would start Reinach 
because Reinhardt <coughs> gets um, he's like a he's like a horse out of the out of the gates. He's boom gone. So and I was wondering, you know, do they play a guy like that purely for how quickly he gets the game started and pulls the team? Because even if the team are still kind of philandering, singing the national anthem, he's off. Mm. Um, so I I did think that because they do things like that. I mean, this this is a you know a exact example of the kind of odd things that they do and and i've i've learned to enjoy it um with the squad because the squad is so good okay well let's um let's talk about somebody who's not also in the squad but it's been big news this week andre oh. polo pleased to see him here yeah of course of course well you you i mean we've discussed a few times I think there's a position for him at 15. I wouldn't drop Marnie. I like the way the backline operates. I think every, everything's flowing really good. It's just the kicking at sticks we could do with a 90%, 85% kicker. And Pollard does that. So what's Andre's history with 15? Because we know he's played inside centre quite a bit for France, in France and in the UK. But what about 15? So 15, the first, I've seen him do it a couple of times when he... Um, when he's played and then in the world cup last year he used to swap every now and then with Vili or he had dropped back i think um a lot and covered the other side of the pitch when we were expecting the kick the you know deep kick coming in so at the bulls i've seen him play there and he's just solid that that's what he is you know he's nothing spectacular no. nothing spectacular but man, you want him on your side. Hey, Mr. Consistency. Mm. And uh, so that's what he offers you. And he, and if we if there's a glaring hole, well, this week's not on the bench, is he? Because it is a bit of a headache for the coaches. Here. You know, they've got this system going, but they need him on the pitch for the big game. So where do you put him? And I kind of agree. Do you, does he you, play Flyhoff? Because Marnie, okay. No, I don't think so. I think you can... Um, you can afford either you need to have him on the bench or start him at 15. And you don't think 12 is an option? I personally don't, given given who our 12 are. I don't think exactly. I think 12 is a strength for us. But I also I think of cohesion. So your full back, because he sits behind the line, isn't somebody that you need a relationship with. Like you do between a nine and a ten, mm. a ten and a twelve, a twelve and a thirteen, and then your backline players. It's so I think it's less of a risk or less intrusive to bring him in there. And let's not forget, Angie, that most fifteens these days, um, they play a good percentage of the game at first receiver anyway, that first pivot. They're mm. always coming into that first receiver role and, and in in essence playing a fly off. And I think there was a stat off to round one of the Rugby World Cup that the fifteens received the ball more times from first phase ball as first receiver than the actual really? fly halves. Yeah. Wow. I'm so. surprised by that. Um, if, if we just pivot into another area that I think potentially besides France, these two teams have the best of, and that's leaders. I think Johnny Sexton is the epitome of an Irish rugby player for the Irish people. I, I saw it, I wasn't really impressed with it. They had a picture of the Last Supper and then they had him as Jesus. 
and they were kind of going on about how great he was and everything and obviously i gave them more time about that but besides that then we have Sia, who's we've spoken about this before he's a real inspirational leader and the guys are happy to go to war for him and then france have a really good leader but i think these two teams are really well led mm. and the reason i like a, a big chunk of the reason I think the winners out of one of those three is because of the leadership and in the history of Rugby mm. World Cup. He's always been an inspirational leader. And um, usually in the history of Rugby World Cups, those who've won it, they have a raft of leaders on, on the pitch. I mean, we certainly have a number of leaders. Uh, Ireland, I'm ticking people over my head already. You know, even people who are probably on the bench. I haven't seen the Irish yeah, squad. I, mean, I don't think they are um, till Thursday, but Mahoney. Mahoney, and, yes. And, um, Sexton, Sexton um, Park as a scrum half. He's certainly a leader. Gibson Tad Park. Furlong. The, the, there's a couple that have been there a, a good while now. And these, they have inspirational players. Game changers, the wings can. Sheehan, they rate highly. I'm not quite seeing that one yet. But um, they, have a, they have a really good really good team. Um, You're um, right about the leadership, though. It's it's a key ingredient key. to any success. And not only is we've just spoken about Pollard. He's not in the squad, but another leader, somebody who could easily be captain of the squad. Pollard, exactly. So when you weigh up Pollard's um, weight in terms of what he offers, that leadership role is huge. Mm -hmm. I was listening to Scott Berger being interviewed by Jim Hamilton, and Scott said he spent time with the Springbok squad, and he said, "Sorry." It, it was uh, Victor Matfield. And he said what was very obvious was that Pollard was probably the most vocal out of everybody all the time. In terms of a leadership role, we're going to mm. do this, we're going to do that. And people trusted and bought into what he said. So uh, you can't underestimate the value of what that is. No, absolutely not. And also his form uh, prior to his injury. Um, what I, what I did appreciate about, what I do appreciate about living here in the UK and watching the English Premiership was uh, the season before last, George Ford had an amazing season at Leicester Tigers. They won the Premiership mm. under Borthwick and he left at the end of the season. Mm. And en masse, the media was saying, well, Pollard's now coming in to replace him. I think at the time he was the world's highest playing rugby player or certainly in the top yeah, one. Yeah, he was, number three. one. And I said, well, how on earth is he going to be better than George Ford? And they were saying he's a one-trick pony, kicks okay, she can tackle and carry a ball a bit. But he, nobody, nobody was, was that impressed with him, despite his CV. And what was wonderful to see was them U-turning within two or three games. <laughs> Good grief, on mass, going, oh, yeah, he's the real deal. But yeah. Just a reminder out there that he, he really is the real he deal. He is the real deal. There's no doubt. I, I mean, even when I've doubted him, and I, he won as a World Cup, and he's BMT. He won that World Cup, many would say. No, no. Without well, him, we wouldn't. Without Wales, him, we wouldn't. The Wales, yeah, maybe. We wouldn't have got through to the final probably without him. I mean, he showed the big corners against Wales to to you know, slot those kicks. Um, but he, so I was also watching him for you know i had doubts in my mind like you say we listen to andy good and their podcast a lot and he was like well you know an ex-lister player and he was like well how good is he i don't really rate him jim hamilton was oh yeah average and then he started winning games for leicester and and i was watching purely out of the intrigue of what was going on and he delivered and i thought jesus is so good we're coming into the world cup Mm. And every the the injury that he has is a repetitive injury. It's a repetitive calf injury. 
So seeing him play the other night was really good. Um, and they need to... He got a yellow card, unfortunately. Yeah, but everybody gets a yellow card. <laughs> That's true. Good he didn't get a red. But he set up two tries. <laughs> uh, yeah, and got a kick. And missed a kick. Got two, mm, missed one. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's a fantastic player. Th this is why I'm saying... Okay, let me let me, let me change tack. Do you th do you think if we were going into the World Cup final against Ireland on Saturday, World Cup final, they would pick this team? No, no, exactly. I still think there's something that they're trying to figure out here. Hmm. Um, you know, you talk about the absence of Vili, not even on the bench. Dwayne, not even on the bench. Pollard, not even on the bench. If there's another injury in the back line, we're going to get Am back. Am's apparently ready. So, yeah, I, I don't think, I still don't think we're showing the full hand, whereas I think Ireland are showing the full hand. Maybe mm. besides the two injured props, but they the second kind of bomb squad props. I think they show, they, they're coming fully loaded. Um, I think, you know, you hear people say, oh, well, it's, we know what we're expecting from the Springboks. Stopping it's another matter. I mm. kind of disagree with that. Well, we do for this yeah. game, but there's more strings to our bow now. But mm. Ireland... It's certainly a team like that. You know what to expect from Ireland. Stopping them is certainly something different and another matter. And France got nowhere near them in the Six Nations. They smothered them and just ran them right. You remember after we did the, the pod after the Scotland game, I said the, the, the defence that I thought they were trying to incorporate there was very much what they try and do with um, the Irish game. Funnily enough, they've selected the, the exact same backline. I think that that type of defence is precisely what will disrupt Ireland. And and I saw the, there were that Kiwi Muppet, that's where Ben Smith, again trying to antagonise everyone, ben saying Smith. that, ben, yeah, that you know the journalist, and, and he was tweeting again, yeah, well the South Africans, you can tell their number one tactic will be hit Johnny late, um, and in New Zealand they call it dog shots. <laughs> He got some abuse. Um, but, of course, that's going to be a tactic. Peter Stuff will be up there. Oh, of course, it's going to be a tactic. And Johnny Stexton knows that. And that's part of the fun of this. I mean, it's a chess game. Yeah, we, we're playing a game of chess, a strategy and pieces move. And it's about, at the end of the day, Ireland is highly skilled. They are a highly skilled team with a lot of power. But at the end of the game, rugby will be dominated by people with power with good skills rather than semi-power with lots of skills. Mm. You need the big man. Especially in the World Cup, in a knockout tournament. Wow. Wow. Wow, exactly. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I have a topic I want to talk about, uh, as, as I mentioned to you before, and, and I think if we can just take a couple of minutes now and talk about it, um, and, and it comes to... Um, what we both mentioned that would be the biggest um, upset for us if we saw it at the World Cup, and that's around cards. So I'll, I'll ask you for opinion on some of these cards so far and how they've been dealt with, and then I'm going to ramble and have a little bit of a, um, a tirade about what I think and where I think these cards have gone. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, because I haven't tested this with anyone. <coughs> okay, so um, I think we... Uh... We asked each other, certainly before uh, the World Cup started, biggest concerns yes, for the World Cup. And my, um, uh, obviously, me being me, I listed uh, lack of fly-offs, but um, my biggest 
even more so than that is the inconsistency of um, of the cards. I'm not a fan of red cards. I'm just not a fan of red cards. Uh, to me, nobody should get a red card unless there's malicious play. And it should always be a yellow card. And um, cite them after, ban them for long, long periods of time if you want. But don't ring the spectacle for people who've invested money to fly over and see them, etc., etc. The players, the supporters, even if you're watching from home, you've invested a lot of thought and you support that team and mm. a lot of emotion into it. And then it can be ruined on a referee's decision, which you can see the same incident in, in the same game or a game mm. somewhere else and the same decision won't even get, um, won't, will go unnoticed. Um, so, Look, the laws are what the laws are, so I'm barking up the wrong tree here. But yeah, no, you make, a, you make a very logical... Okay, but it's too late for that. That's not that's not what they're doing. But the inconsistency is outrageous. It's outrageous. That's yeah, that's yeah. A way, I'm not, I know that's a bit of, might be perceived as a bit of hyperbole, but it, it seems outrageous. Gosh, when you can't, I know not every incident is a carbon copy of the other. I even saw in the Romania um, Springboks game, we, was it, I can't remember which player, um, we went high on those and the referee said it went to the chest, it looked as if it went straight into the head for me, mm. but, um, but you know, and they are, listen, when we get out to the knockout games called final semi-final, final, this is where games can be ruined, hopes and dreams, mm. and realistic hopes and dreams of winning the World Cup. Especially from you know France, Ireland, ourselves, and New Zealand could disintegrate in smoke. Well, New Zealand have been hit hard eh, with the Groot out as well. Lomax out, the Groot yeah. out. Um, you know he's lucky that they'll come back in for the quarterfinals. But wow, you've got to be very careful. Eh? So my, even if you're careful, it doesn't matter, does it? Mm. Huh? Did you see the Portuguese red card? So this is this is where I want to this is where I want to start. So I want, I want to just talk about the Portuguese record. So we all know, having played rugby, um, that sometimes a bit of bad technique, where you jump, you, the ball comes behind you, you you kind of maneuver your body in the air, and it causes you to flip over backwards. He raised his foot, and it hit. Um, I think it was Josh Adams in the face. Yeah, yeah. None of us want that. There's no way that Portuguese player went in there to do that. In fact, to the letter of the law, they both should have got red cards because Josh Adams tackled him in the air with his face. Had that hit his shoulder, say his foot hit the shoulder, Josh Adams would have got a card. Because it hit him in the face, the other guy got a card. But now, so I want to move on from that. Pinto is a really good player. He was having a good, good game. He's not a professional rugby player. He is now, okay, all, all the scouts are watching these guys. Is there a potential diamond within these tier two teams? He's now out of the World Cup. His chances of getting a professional contract have been totally fucked up by somebody sitting at Roland Garros in the bunker. So the referee quickly passes it on. Um, in my view, that shouldn't even have, it shouldn't even have been a penalty. It should have been play on. Mm. I don't think anything, it's probably the worst red card out of all of them I've seen. But this guy now, probably a life-changing event for him that he could have got a contract because he had even a good game. There's, there's every possibility that that guy could have got a professional contract in rugby. So that's the start of it. Where I want to go is just move and, and tell you about what I've been thinking. Rugby cards and penalizing rugby players has moved from 
you're intentionally making a mistake. And I'm going to draw a parallel here. It's like having a car. If you have a car and you speed, you're breaking the law. You get a fine. If you park in a no parking zone, you get a fine. Of course, penalize it. It's like foul play, uh, you, you know, malice in the tackle, high tackle, all these kind of things. Absolutely. But now what's happened in rugby, they're penalizing accidents. So that would be, for me, the equivalent, and if we're talking about this car analogy, you would get a fine if you had an accident. So if you have an accident, driving down the road, crash into somebody, you now get a fine, and a huge fine for that accident. Mm. And that's where rugby's gone. So these all logic has been taken mm. up. And with an accident, nobody plans on having an accident. So why do you penalize that? You intentionally go fast. You break the law. You park in the wrong place. You park... I get it, and that should be punished. But it's the equivalent for me with the stupidity and the level of change of the way that they're penalizing people has gone all the way into unintentional um, consequence. And do you know what, Andrew? What I'm noticing also, um, not exclusively, but you see it in most games, that it's depowering the referee who's, you know, who's supposed to be the main person on the field. He's just it on. Exactly. So he's seeing these accidents. Let's say he's seeing this accident, which in theory ticks the boxes. Now, you know, a few months before, he may have said, um, I tell you what, that's an accident. Okay, you did make contact here, but with mitigation, it's actually just a foul. Or it's nothing. Let's move on. But instead of that, we've seen people going, no, I tell you what, let's, let's make the bunker decide. You, you, yellow cord. So where, where is the call for, you, you look at that Milan that plays for Namibia, snapped his ankle, oh. foot was pointing the wrong way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is, why didn't anybody get a card there? We all about this thing about taking knocks to the head, all that kind of stuff. And it's not even where the players get, the problem is consecutive many knocks to the mm. head over many years in many mm. games. It's not in a one-off game that something like this happens. I, they've got it so wrong with this. As you can see, I'm, I'm frustrated and animated with this but it's ruining our game and you you've you and i in the urc watching the it's champions the cup you're like i'm turning the fucking tv off i've, I've been enough. i've stopped hey, watching games exactly before. exactly and and they need to Killing wake games. up and make some changes rant over <laughs> do you feel better for that actually? i needed to get that out do you agree with my analogy 100 percent. thank you 100 percent. and i think um pretty much most people who listen to this Will agree also. Yeah, I mean, even Rango is looking at me, his ears are like in the air, like I've made an important point. So, okay, then, Andrew, uh, let's um, let's get on to round three of the Rugby World Cup this weekend's games and uh, a few predictions. So, first up, uh, tomorrow evening, Wednesday, is Italy v Uruguay. Yeah, well, I, th I think Italy will play their second team, and um, Uruguay will think this is a potential opportunity to make a name for themselves. So I reckon it might be a little bit closer than people think, but Italy to win it comfortably. Yeah, same with me. I've got Italy by 20 points, actually. Yeah. Uh, Thursday evening, we've got France v Namibia. Namibia by 50. Okay, we'll put Namibia down here. I think you may be wrong here, but France by 50 to 60 points. So. Oh, even, even more. Friday. Argentina v Samoa. Good game. Ooh, spicy. Eh? Yeah, I think Argentina need to bounce back. I think they'll have been humiliated and they don't come across as a people that enjoy that kind of humiliation. For England, remember against England, they just didn't pitch up, they didn't fire a shot. They, their quality is so much better than that. I think uh, 
Samoa might get a surprise here. I think there might be some angry Argentinians coming. Okay, Georgia v Portugal. Georgia by 20. Uh, I, I think the Georgian pack will be too much for them. Um, I'm hoping that Pinto, the Portuguese fullback's record, gets rescinded and that he's allowed to play and that he gets a contract and that I come back on this pod and say he's earning four million pounds a week. Yeah, I quite agree with you. Uh, England v Chile? It's going to be tight. Uh, it will England be for the first half. England with 15 men or 14 men? Yeah. Uh, 14, they'll win by 100, I think. Well, I, I expect to see Farrell back, so a very average game plan. And yeah, England by 30, 40 points. Uh, 9 o'clock Saturday evening. Uh, my kids will be in bed. I'll be out watching. Um, yeah, where are you watching? What, uh, we not need too to, sure yet. We need to make a plan. We do indeed. Yes. But um, on a Saturday evening. So Springboks for Ireland. I say Springboks by 12. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm going to go Ireland by eight. And that's down to the floor. Oh, my. Uh, Sunday, Scotland v Tonga. Alma, okay, give me some detail around that ludicrous statement. Um, well, we played in Dublin last year with Yeah, we got robbed off. by the ref. Um, yeah, but we missed plenty of kicks. We did. I even asked you after that game if Pollard had but been playing. But we've got three kickers now, apparently. We haven't now. So that's that's my rationale. Uh, no, you said we don't have a kicker. We've got three kickers. See, I said we've got three kickers. Okay, well, uh, okay. So. Faf, Willemster, uh, Marnie. I see Kobe, Ireland. Fourth. Ireland are very disciplined. They won't give many kicks to us. So then why do you need a kicker? <laughs> okay. You, right. You're going against your own points. <laughs> Ireland by eight. Unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong, as I was at Twickenham. Um, Scotland v Tonga on the Sunday. Ah. That's an interesting one. Um, Scotland, I think, to, <coughs> to overpower them. I would like us to beat Ireland, which makes Ireland and Scotland a proper. Oh, gosh, that would eh? be awesome. That would be a fantastic What game. a game that would be, yeah. And the uh, the concluding game of the weekend, uh, Wales v Australia. Hold on, can you, imagine, can you imagine them Ireland lose that? Can you imagine the amount of ammunition I'll have for Twitter? X or whatever you call it. Oh, that's what I'm hoping for. I want these little green leprechauns to take Air Lingus home. Sorry to all you Air Lingus fans. And Wales v Australia. Potentially the um, game that has the most relevance for the outcome of the World Cup for both. Wales v Australia. Huh? I'm hoping for a Wales win. Wales by five. Okay, I've got Australia by six. So, yeah. um, it, it, it's a toy course. Uh, a toy course. A coin a toy course. Yeah, there's the wine's kicking in. <laughs> well, what a show. Eh? And um, thanks everybody for listening. Please contact us on yeah. the, the Gmail account, AE Rugby Podcast at, at gmail.com, or uh, the Twitter feed, which is. The X feed, yep, at the same Twitter handle, um, AE Rugby Podcast. And I, and I think lastly, just before we go, we, we had a um, an analysis sent to us of people that are listening around the world, and we've hit a few contents, which was, hey, quite interesting. We've, we've even got people in the States. We've got uh, people across some of the, the Western Europe and, and in South Africa. And a pocket of people in the highlands of Scotland. for some Yeah, who are you? Please tell us who you are. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Cheers. All the best. Bye-bye. Bola, direct my PP! Oh, it's the
Bosch 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 Bosch